Welcome to the College Student Success Podcast, podcast where college students and faculty come together to talk about mental health, wellness, mentorship, and entrepreneurship. Together, we set and achieve goals for ourselves to get us where we want to be. I'm your host, Derek Malinzak, and this is episode 105 of the podcast. Oh boy, it seems like it's been forever since I said that. Hi, everybody. How y'all doing? I am doing awesome, and I'm uh, really happy to be back behind the mic with you guys. Uh, Hope your semester is going well so far. I had uh, set a goal for myself, a mini goal, (laughs) to get an episode out to you guys, uh, you know, as a back to school or welcome back, and uh, in my mind, I was like, you know, that's like September, <laughs> and here we are. Uh, today, I'm recording on September 27th, so I hope to get this out to you tomorrow on Friday, and I will have considered that an achievement, um, although I wish I could have uh, timed it uh, with a little closer to the beginning of the semester, but we do what we can do. So, how are you all? I am great. We are in week four of the semester here at Rutgers, and uh, it's been pretty good so far. It was a great summer. I'll tell you real quick, in a minute or less, I had an awesome summer. I was supposed to go to the Fish Festival. It ended up getting canceled. Uh, boo-hoo. Uh, and I ended up going camping instead with my wife because uh, we had the time and a bunch of equipment and then uh, came home went to Wildwood for a bunch of days with my son uh, we went on a camping trip uh, we done some cool stuff and uh, really actually kind of getting excited for the fall uh, so I hope you guys are too I hope you're sort of easing back into the semester but I imagine that uh, it's starting to pick up for you guys now so want to have uh, an episode today. We're going to talk about uh, a couple of different things. Uh, so the, the main theme of today or the, the concept I'm going to talk about is called triangulation. And I'm, I'm sure I talked about this in a podcast earlier. It was probably a long time ago, but I went back in my notes to try and find it and, and I couldn't. So uh, it probably means it's time to talk about it again. I know I didn't spend a good deal of time or it wasn't a focal theme uh, of the episode. So I'm going to talk about triangulation and what that means in today's world. It's not coming at you from a um, scientific viewpoint or a mathematical one. Um, sort of a life learning one. So we'll get into that. And then I will uh, share with you guys uh, a few books that I've read over the summer, uh, my summer reading list. And the, the way I actually got this topic is I was thinking about the fact that I used tri- I, I mainly use triangulation these days to determine what I should read. And so I thought it would be a good podcast topic. So I'll, I'll talk about the concept of triangulation, and then I'll talk briefly about the three books that I read over the summer. I'm working on one now. And I will close with a little bit on accountability. So let's get into it, all right? So triangulation is going to be the topic for today. And why would a college student, much less a college student that might be struggling with some kind of mental health issues or a faculty member that is, uh, you know, really going out of their way to support 
these students? Why would you care about triangulation? Uh, it's a valid question, right? You might be thinking, Derek, what the hell are you talking about? I have so much else to do. I have to figure out my life. I have goals to set. You weren't around in the beginning of the semester to help me set those goals. Uh, fear not, I am here. Um, so this would be for, you know, I guess more fact-finding triangulation. So what is it? So I'll describe it in mathematical terms uh, first. So it's this idea uh, that if you are trying to figure out a location, uh, that the best way to do it is if you had three points that you could use, uh, you should be able to figure out where you're at. Um, so geographically speaking, you know, if I was, you know, in Bloomfield, um, it would probably be pretty easy for me to, you know, see certain things and know, oh, that that right there, that means I'm in Bloomfield. Uh, but others may be ambiguous, right? I might see, uh, you know, a roadside for Bloomfield Avenue, and Bloomfield Avenue runs through Bloomfield, but it also runs through like a dozen other towns or more. So just having that as one marker point wouldn't be able to help me. I would need at least another one. So finding a second one might put me kind of closer to uh, where I would be if I saw, you know, for instance, a 7-Eleven. Okay, now I know that on Bloomfield Ave, there's, you know, two or three 7-Elevens that I could think of. There's also a lot of towns that don't have 7-Elevens on Bloomfield Ave. And then finally, you know, marking a third point or, or figuring, giving a third clue, so to speak, uh, you could figure out, you know, by the look of it or, or some other thing and be like, oh, this is the one. So it's it's sort of a process of narrowing down from a large area to a much more defined area to get you where you want to be. <laughs> uh, so mathematicians use it. You might use it if you were, you know, in navigation. Um, it's also a concept used in qualitative research uh, to try and um, basically confirm and, and explore various concepts. You know, the fact that if they keep coming up, the concept keeps coming up, but in different scopes or different areas, uh, of the research that that's a good sign. It shows, you know, consistency and, and, and accuracy. So how can we use this in our lives today? I actually must credit Jack Spirico. He is a former uh, interviewee on the College Student po Success Podcast uh, for uh, thinking, for giving me the, this framework to think about. Um, and the way they, he described it was thinking about uh, trying to figure out and sort for yourself what is true in the news today from what is not true, right? And so if you are, you know, reading some news article and you're like, ah, this doesn't really seem completely accurate, what would you do, right? I, I hope many people would you know, follow up and try and sort of verify the news story if they were, you know, that invested, uh, especially if they like wanted to share it somehow on social media or with somebody. Uh, it's nice to kind of like get some like backup and, and kind of really have a, a good understanding that, yeah, this is actually, this is actually accurate and truthful. Seems like it's getting harder to do that in, uh, news today. I think people that say 20 years ago 
could could see a news article and and kind of have more confidence that it was true. And I, and I don't think that seems to be the case in today's world. So it sort of has forced us to consider this idea of triangulation because of the the various slants that different people put on news and also just the agendas that they're trying to promote, right? Uh, no matter what, you know, no matter how you identify, you know, on that spectrum. So, so let's go back to our example. Let's say you read a news story and let's say it's coming from a left leaning, you know, publication, a, a more liberal sided article or a new, new liberal sided, uh, media. And if you're reading that, you, you, there's a good chance you might be, uh, you know, you might lean left and it would, in all likelihood, kind of, if it's coming from that publication, um, the reason it'd be there is to kind of, you know, provide facts, hopefully, right, number one. But also, they're trying to sell newspapers or promote clicks on websites. So it also often will sort of tap into your emotion. And that's, I think, where you start to question some of the accuracy. Um Let's, you know, a, a newspaper like the New York Times, for example, um, you know, I don't think they go out of their way to purposely publish uh, inaccurate, you know, fact, you know, factualities, um, but they definitely will, you know, attempt to sway, you know, through, you know, crafty language and, and just emotion. You know, they're trying to appeal to a certain demographic and get them to buy more newspapers <laughs> uh, or more clicks for their website, right? So it, it probably speaks to you if you read an article and, and you were sort of aligned with that publication and you might just accept it as truth. Uh, as I said, it seems like it's getting harder and harder to do that because of the fact that there's so much emotion involved with news these days. So what I do as part of my triangulation is I would consider, I would try and find that similar article in a right-leaning news source. So Fox News if you're a fan of Fox, I'm not commenting. I just say they get they are the target of a lot of uh, media critique. Uh, but let's just say that they are a right leaning or more conservative news source. So I'd find an article. I'd find this article in on their website, and I'd compare the two. Right now, there's going to be a lot of similarities. Right, hopefully, <laughs> um, and then there's going to be clear areas where the left leaning article doesn't, you know, stresses more. Right leaning article might stress less or leave out or omit, and vice versa. And that's those are the parts that you probably want to pay attention to to kind of see if you can piece together for yourself what is are the complete facts here. That is often enough, you know, but uh, considering a third source, and that's what forms the triangle, might be to consider, might be to find this article in more of a um, centrist or moderate news agency. So like the only, the only news source that I actually follow on social media, I, I tried to find one that is uh, in the center and doesn't, tries not to lean either left or right. And, and that's, I know that even this source, which is Reuters, it's an international news source. So that's one reason I chose it. And they, they are considered by many to be sort of, you know, about as, as centrist as, as you can find. So those, that's, the, that's where I primarily get my news from. Um, so you might consider a third, like an international 
version of the story and see where the facts overlap with the left-leaning and the right-leaning publications and see what they included or left out that the other two did not. When you start to do that and you find, okay, across all three articles, they're saying this, 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 and this, you can probably assume that those are correct and those are factual elements. So this is why I think this is really helpful. So it, it can help with, triangulation can help with sort of figuring out the closest version of the truth that there might be out there when you're looking into like news or if you're researching, you know, anything. Um, I happen to find, I happen to find it extremely useful for figuring out the direction I'm supposed to head in life. So as I was saying, like, I read some books over the summer and I'm always stuck. I have a, an account with Audible. Uh, so I actually listen to audiobooks as opposed to read them. Uh, it's just, you know, as a podcast fan, both as a host and a listener, I love audio, you know, and I don't have time for video. I just don't have time to sit there and watch YouTube. I know a lot of people do. Uh, so anytime I could find something, you know, that's audio. And that's why I like, I fell in love with Audible because I was like, oh, I've always been wanting to be more of a reader, but I just never have time to sit down. And now I could walk my dog and listen to a book and it's great. Uh, so I'm always stuck though, because I get, you know, when I'm on the plan, sometimes I'll go off it when I build up too many things to read. But when I get my credits on a monthly basis, I can use them to purchase sort of any audiobook I want. And I'm always like, I don't know what to pick. Like, there's so many great things out there. I have a wish list. So I, I've started doing that. That was helpful because in the beginning, when I didn't have that, it was even harder. But typically, what I do these days to figure out what book to pick is. I will sort of look for patterns in life over that overlap. And this is where the triangulation gets in. So for the first book that I am going to talk about, it's called The Growth Mindset. It's by Carol Dweck. And that book I had found out about a long time ago, way back, I think it was either the first or second season of the podcast, the second season, when I did my quasi interview with Angela Duckworth, who is the grit person down at uh, UPenn. And uh, she talks about the growth mindset as sort of a, a way to develop grit. So I had always had it in my mind is in knowing it from that. And I never actually, you know, had any interest in, in reading the book, even when I was into grit. I don't know why, I just, you know, had too many other things to do, I guess. And then I was talking with a colleague at work. And we were talking, we weren't even talking about grit, we were talking about something else. And they brought up the growth mindset. And I was like, oh, yeah, I remember that book from way back when. And it was like, shortly after that, that I think I had done like, I was like, let me just re refresh my memory on what it is. And I looked it up online. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. And then a couple of days later, I was like talking with my wife about something that my son had done. And I was just like, I was kind of like upset because he just seemed to be like, whatever it was he was doing, he was giving up like really easily. And it was bothering me. Like he wasn't showing that like grit <laughs> that I would want him to to have, even as a young child. And I was like, you know, 
I just heard about that book. Maybe I should get that. And I went immediately onto Audible, and it happened to be an Audible book, and I, I downloaded it and started it the next day. And it was like that series of things. Like I'd heard about it a long time ago, and then it came up again for me in a totally different area of life. It wasn't for the podcast. It was through work. And then something at home triggered me to be like, this is the third thing. Like I'm connecting the dots here. Uh, the universe is telling me to read this book. And then the second book, um, so actually, let me just do the books as I, I kind of do this topic. So the growth mindset was really cool. I have uh, just a couple of notes on them here. And they have a quote. This uh, summary that I'm, I'm drawing from will be in your show notes, but I do recommend reading the entire book. But this is a quote from the author, Carol Dweck. For 20 years, my research has shown that the view you adapt of yourself profoundly affects the way you lead your life. And I I thought about after reading this book, like going on Facebook and telling all my friends about it. And I was like, you should all read it. But then I was like, you know what? I could probably tell them in one sort of single sentence what the book is all about. And they don't even necessarily read, you know, need to read the book. Um, I think it's thought of as a a general self-help book Um, but I have found this book to be the the best parenting book or or giving parenting advice that I have come across and I'm not going to cop to reading many parenting books but it has helped me a lot in thinking about how I raise uh, our son Um, but people apply it in in business relationships and in school uh, and just you know interpersonal stuff so It's this idea that her research has found that people generally fall into two distinct categories. One group of individuals has what they call a fixed mindset. And a person with a fixed mindset might say, uh, you know, your qualities that you have, whether you're, you know, good looking or strong or intelligent or whatever are sort of fixed, fixed mindset, right? They don't change. And so whatever you are is what you are period. Contrast that with the growth mindset, which is the belief that your basic, you know, things that make up who you are, looks, uh, you know, intelligence, etc. You can manipulate yourself and cultivate and improve upon if you put the work in. And so it, it seems like such a simple concept, like, oh, like believe in yourself. But I guess what the research finds that's so amazing to me is that so many people don't have this, that do have this fixed mindset. And it seems like it's probably, you know, something that is in a sense learned, you know, from your parents. If your parents have a fixed mindset and they sort of raised you with that line of thinking, it's hard for you to see outside of that. And you, there's a good chance you have a lot of those similar qualities. But the fact is, you can change from a fixed mindset to a growth mindset, even if you necessarily were raised that way. Um, so believing that, you know, I think it was my son was like playing basketball. We had gotten a basketball hoop and he would, you know, he was giving up after, you know, missing one shot. And it was just like, oh, my goodness, I, this, I hope this isn't how he approaches things in real life. And thinking about it has helped me kind of talk about, oh, let's just do one thing, you know, and then really celebrating that success and reflecting on it and and sort of reminding him, like, 
you did that. You got better. You sucked at that in the beginning, but now you're you're a little bit better. And if you put in the work, you would even be better. And I think that's the message that I think really applies to everyone out there, right? If you believe that you're stupid, you probably won't get much smarter. <laughs> um, but the fact is, you can get smarter. And you know the things that we talk about on this show, habits and routines. Uh, you know, developing your your mentoring network or just your network of people that you know in general, um, you know, creating value for people out there and you in turn receiving value. You know, these are the ways that you can sort of expand that mindset. So Growth Mindset, really cool book. I definitely recommend it to parents. Um, but I think just people in general, especially if you think about that and you, you you have those opinions like of yourself or of others like yeah these can't things can't change they actually can according to her research so the second book i read uh what is called principles it's by ray dalio and this is more of a business or investing kind of book ray dalio is a hedge fund manager uh, and Bridgewater Capital is the name of his uh, firm. And it's one of the most successful hedge funds like of all time. Um, dude knows the market. <laughs> and uh, he his firm was one of the ones that actually was able to turn a profit during the Great Recession. So he was one of the ones you could say, like actually could see it coming when a lot of others can't. And so I'm, I'm into investing and in, in, in the stock market and stuff like that. I think I've shared that point. So I've read a good number of books about investing, um, but I hadn't read this one. And I, this one had been on my wish list for a long time. It had come out, I think, two years ago. And so I think that's how I originally got it on there um, because it was like I had invest, I had read or listened to a bunch of investing books. And it was like, well, if you like that one, you'll also might enjoy this. And I was like, oh. I knew about Ray Dalio because he, I, for some reason, I knew he was from Long Island, or grew up on Long Island, and it being a Long Islander, you know, it was like, oh, you know, you just have a kinship, you know, people that are from the same area as you. Um, Tim Ferriss is another one, uh, and then Gary V uh, is from around this area, not Long Island, but Jersey, where I am now. So I had that sort of kinship, and then I had heard about him again. Uh, one of my uh, favorite podcasters who also happens to be a YouTuber uh, was talking about the book and he does like this uh, uh, crypto, you know, uh, cryptocurrency podcast slash YouTube thing. So it wasn't even necessarily an investing show, but he was talking about the book and I was like, oh yeah, I got to read that book. Um, and then I saw something on Facebook. It was my third, you know, point that sort of sealed the deal. I think I had seen him uh, news like he was even maybe a sponsored post because I don't like him on Facebook or anything about his upcoming thing that just got released which is like a free PDF about debt cycles and stuff and I was like oh yeah I wanted to read his last thing that come it came out and I hadn't read it yet so that was sort of like what prompted me to be like no that's the third thing and you know I don't do this consciously to like look for three but I just when that third thing when when that third overlap happens and when they're from different walks of life right um you know, just listening to a podcast, you know, seeing something on Facebook and, you know, a, a hobby that I had, you know, that I was kind of a little bit more into a few years ago and it connect all the dots. And in that time and place, it was the right book for me to read. Um, it was pretty good. 
I actually didn't finish it. Uh, it's sort of like two books in one. So it's life principles and then it's work principles. And I was really only interested in the life principles. And I, I've sort of become free lately. I, I saw this on uh, a few people on Twitter talk about how you don't necessarily have to finish every book you read. Uh, and you can skip around if you want. And that was sort of impactful to me because I was always a, oh, I got to finish the book. Until I started seeing that, I was like, yeah, I really don't. And this was the, the one of the first books, actually the first book, where I felt empowered to be like, I got to the part, I got through half of the book, and it was then the life, uh, the work principles, and I wasn't interested at all. I'm like, I'm just going to put this one down. I got what I needed out of it. So the life principles have been helpful to me, and I think would be to you. Uh, the first thing that I think the book instilled in me is, is the value of principles themselves, you know, uh, beliefs that sort of transcend different areas of life, you know, um, one of mine, one of my principles, just to give an example, is liberty. You know, I believe in liberty, I value liberty, I, you know, I just love the fact that it's such a, a, a theme rooted in the, the birth of our country and in the Constitution. And, you know, as such, you know, I, I celebrate liberty in a lot of different ways. So it's sort of my, you know, it's rooted in my political belief system, um, but also in, you know, how I would see my fantasy baseball league to be managed, <laughs> you know, and that liberty mindset guides how I how I sort of make my decisions in life. Um, and Jack, again, referencing Jack Spirigo, has a saying about this too, because he's very much in the same boat. It's principles over preferences. And it's the idea that you develop your principles and what you stand for and what you believe in, and those then guide effective decisions, even when the decision isn't the one you really want to make. <laughs> Sometimes you'd rather make it, you'd prefer to make a different decision that contradicts your values. And from my experience, that usually is not the right way to go. Uh, so that was the one thing I got out of this book. And then the other thing that he talked a lot about is just um, truth-telling. <laughs> um, he talks about how his, his firm is run on the idea that they are, you know, very upfront and they don't hold things back. They, they don't worry about stepping on toes or, in, you know, not insulting, but like basically, you know, saying the right thing. They say what needs to be said. And from that has sort of transpired this meritocracy uh, ordering of, of his agent, of his uh his hedge fund firm, where, you know, the best ideas and the hardest workers uh, get compensated and rewarded the most. Um, so I, I really do, I really do believe in that in terms of a way to live your life, to be truthful, um, to, to try not to hold back. And that's something I've, I've struggled with. You know, I wasn't always the best communicator, especially with, you know, the people that I'm close with. And I've struggled. I know why I struggle with it. And I've actively worked to get better. And sometimes it's just the matter of saying what you believe and what's on your mind, even when you know it's going to cause that initial, like, awkwardness with the other person inevitably it's almost always worth it in the long run so uh, that's a big thing that i got out of this book you know um 
is the idea of how important pref uh, principles are and, and knowing what your principles are really sort of define you in my opinion as a human being and this idea of you know radical truth telling <laughs> and that's one that sort of carries over into the third book uh third book that i am, have read or actually i'm still reading probably the most controversial book uh, is jordan peterson's 12 rules of life uh, jordan peterson's a clinical psychologist from canada and he has made a lot of headlines in the last year uh not so much with this book, but he's done a, he has a lot of YouTube videos, I understand. I've never actually watched his YouTube stuff um, or anything. I, I just uh, I came across him because uh, a couple of the people, this is how he, I triangulated him, because I'd heard of him, but I had no reason to, to pick up the book. Uh, and then I saw, I, I heard another podcaster that I listened to talk about him. And I went and I was like, oh, I found a, an interview that he had done with this podcaster. So I was like, that's where I kind of first got a taste of him. And then I saw, I looked him up on Twitter one day and I noticed a bunch of people that followed him. And they were people that I like really respected their opinions. People like Nassim Taleb, who I've talked about, uh, did the Skin in the Game book that I reviewed uh, not too long ago. And so I was like, you know, I think I, I think this is the sign that I need. I'm going to read this book. Uh, and so the reason he's controversial, uh, some of what the, you would call, I guess, the alt-right, uh, you know, have sort of championed some of his views because it, he is, uh, his views on gender and gender roles are pretty controversial. And he is not a big fan of political correctness uh, and sort of overlaps with Ray Dalio in a sense that he is really much big into truth telling, telling the truth, even when it's not what people want to hear. So I, I don't claim to subscribe to his, his, this, all of his views, but I find him to be an interesting individual. And I also don't have, I, I haven't fully formed my opinion on him yet because I haven't finished the book. Uh, 12 rules of life. I'm up to rule, uh, which one is it? Eight, I believe. So I have a ways to go. And I'm not going to spend too much time on this again because I'm not done with it. But the, the sort of the overlap, as I said, is he has all these 12 rules. And one of them is tell the truth or at least don't lie. And that happens to be the rule that I, I'm listening to right now on Audible. And it really drove home a lot of the same things that Ray Dalio brought up in Principles. And I think that it is becoming, it's more difficult than it seems, you know. It's easy to just be like, oh, of course I always tell the truth. And then you start really looking at your life and the things that you say on a day-to-day -day basis with other people um, or don't say that you need to. And um, you'd probably find we actually cover up our feelings a, a good bit. Um, sometimes it's because you don't want to confront, uh, or, you know, you don't want to make a situation awkward. Um, sometimes it's probably more in the name of, you know, this more politically correct landscape we're in. Uh, so tell the truth <laughs> will be the one sort of element that I will draw on from Dr. Peterson's book at this point. 
uh, as I said, I can't really speak to some of the more controversial things that uh, he's known for because it hasn't come up a lot in the book, I have to say. He does a, he talks a lot about religion, a lot more than I thought. And uh, that wasn't that hasn't been my favorite aspect of the book, but it, some of it is interesting. Um, but I just I don't know. I like reading. I like reading stuff that I don't necessarily agree with because it challenges me to think about and 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 really figure out for myself like well what what are the the principles behind that that belief that I have so um, anyway so that is sort of a little bit on triangulation uh, a little bit on some books that I have read recently that I wanted to sort of pass on the messages from you for you and if you are interested uh, I have some summaries that I will uh, include in the show notes today's episode to close, um, one thing I've, I've been thinking a lot about is accountability. And it made me think back to something I used to stress a lot on the podcast. Uh, I used to have my five pillars of, uh, of the podcast sort of became, before I came up with the four tenets of uh, you know, mental health, wellness, entrepreneurship, and uh, mentorship. So that's sort of the four things I really focus on now, but they were born out of these five pillars of, uh, passion, value, leverage, accountability, and sustainability. And it was this sort of set of filters that I would, that I recommended running through every time you wanted to make a semi-important decision, you know, what, how does this decision tie in with your passion? Um, what kind of value will it bring to your life or will it bring to others around you? How can you leverage this into something, you know, that you're already doing or that's going to take you to uh, a a step in the future? Uh, How are you going to keep yourself accountable to this decision? And is this a sustainable decision? You know, can it, is it something that's going to be able to be replicated over time or if it needs to be? So I still think about these things, but I haven't stressed them very much in the podcast, but accountability is something that has returned to me a lot over the summer. Uh, My brother and I, um, we did a sort of an accountability wager or a bet. And um, it was sort of fitness related. We had several different aspects of it. You know, his was more, he was trying to um, go to the gym more and um, he was doing like food tracking, like a journal and, you know, trying to eat better. And some of mine was eating better as well, but mainly mine was like cutting sugar out of my diet and uh, a couple other things. But the big thing was was the sugar, which is something I've always struggled with. Um, so we set it in about, I think, the end of May, and it was to run until the end of July. So it was a good amount of time. We actually <laughs> bailed out uh, maybe two weeks prior, but we did, you know, over two months and having i wasn't this was the first time i was able to really tackle this goal of giving up sugar and it was only i believe through having an accountability partner that i was able to to succeed and it's sort of sad to say this that i'm okay with letting myself down (laughs) and you guys are all may think like yeah i probably do the same thing like it's easy to like make a promise to myself if I don't tell anyone else, I can break it and I don't really feel that bad. <laughs> but if I make a promise to somebody else and they're sort of depending on me, 
and that was the case, right? You know, we're sort of holding each other accountable to these goals. I am less likely to relapse. <laughs> and I believe many other people are as well. So I am sort of looking into this and thinking about it. And it's like, well, part of it is because I think I want, I'd like to do it again. Like I want to find, I'd like to find an accountability partner uh, that I can partner with that I, you know, can make a similar pact and try and do another couple months. Like this isn't something I want to do on a lifelong basis at this point now, maybe in the future. But like, I like the idea of like going hard at something, you know, and really working at it for three months or two months or whatever, and then being like, okay, that was fun. And then taking a break and, you know, letting it go, so to speak. Um, so after I, I was off of the sugar for so long, I, I had a lot of sugar for, you know, the, the weeks that I was on vacation and uh, even a couple after. And, you know, now slowly as school started, I've gotten back into some of the habits that I was having, that I was holding when I was uh, sort of engaged in that accountability wager. But uh, I haven't been as good as I'd like to be. So I was like, ah, how can I going to find an accountability partner and I was thinking about um, the buddy project I had interviewed Gabby Frost uh, a while back and she her her thing is she does this buddy project where she basically anyone that wants a buddy can write to her fill out a form and then she matches people together based on common interests and it's just to have a buddy and it's totally run on Twitter and it's it's fantastically simple and so effective at the same time. And I love ideas like that. I love simple, clean, yet amazingly practical and impactful things. Like, and that's a great example. And I was like, maybe, maybe a similar thing where like you have basically just like a place where you go and you're like, I want an accountability partner and you would get matched with somebody. So I was like looking into that. I found one that was like a paid service, a monthly subscription. I'm like, no, that's not what I'm looking for. That was more business focused. But then I found another one here, getmotivatedbuddies.com. And it's kind of like what I was just talking about. Like you, right, you fill out a form, I believe, or you say you want a buddy and then they'll send you one. And if you you have 24 hours, I believe, to sort of get, get accept and then you get matched. If not, you'll get another one. Um, and it's based on, you know, what kind of, I guess, accountability goal you have, fitness or studying or weight loss or whatever. So just wanted to put that out there. If somebody else out there is interested in partnering with me, want to reach out. Let me know. I'd consider it, somebody in the audience. But otherwise, I might also try this Get Motivated Buddies site and see see if I, I have any success. And if you guys uh, if you guys are interested in this, let me know. Uh, if you would want, if you're thinking like I'd like an accountability partner, let me know because maybe I would maybe I would do something small for just this audience of matching individuals together if I if I got enough interest. So. That is it. That is episode 105. Just want to thank you. I didn't spend a lot of time on mental health in this episode. Uh, and you know, some episodes we don't. Some episodes we focus more on you know, productivity stuff or our more entrepreneurial stuff. So I, I just kind of wanted to, you know, show my face again, so to speak, and uh, let you know I'm still here, still going to be doing episodes. 
Uh, if you have suggestions for the show, something you want to hear about related to mental health or even wellness, entrepreneurship, mentorship, definitely feel free to reach out. Drop me a line. I'd love the inspiration. Uh, I do have one episode, one topic that I'm cons- that I'd like to do. I have sort of in the in the queue. I don't have a I don't have somebody I I'm going to interview yet. Uh, but I would like to do an episode on first episode psychosis. So the idea of the, the first time somebody that, you know, identifies as having a, a mental health crisis of a psychotic nature. Uh, and there's a good bit of research to show if you can intervene swiftly after that first episode that the outcomes are a lot better and that if you wait uh, the outcomes are not as good. And this is uh, some of the more groundbreaking stuff going on in terms of mental health research these days. So I'm looking for somebody that is an expert on first episode psychosis to interview for the podcast. So if you know anybody or if you are that person, again, definitely drop me a line, college student success podcast at gmail.com. All right, everyone. Oh, feels so good to be back. I hope you guys are still subscribed and listening. Sorry if you really liked the old format. Um, if you would like uh, to definitely check out, I put all of the steps for the, the weekly ex- home exercises from the past four seasons of the podcast on the website, collegestudentsuccesspodcast.com. So you could check out them. If you want to repeat a series of steps, you can do that on a week-to-week basis or just pick the ones you like. There's just, you know, suggested things to help you with goal setting, uh, goal achievement, and different sort of wellness and coping strategies. So hope you're all doing great. And uh, once again, love being back. Can't wait to uh, be back again. Look for me sometime in the near future. All right, guys, take care. Have a good week. Peace.